0: I am a fifty seven year old math student. Stop. Yeah, yeah. I'll remember that in a minute. So I've been studying statistics. Yeah, it's awful. Recently, I've been studying how to calculate standard deviation. And, and let, me, let me tell you what that is. That's really, it, it's to calculate how far data stands away from the average. How far a calculation is away from the average, either close to the average or far, far away from the average. Here's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about Christians who just want to be average. I've had people tell me that. I just want to be an average Christian. Not too crazy. I don't want to be one of those, you know, crazy folks with loud worship. I don't want to be one of those radical christians i just want to be an average christian let me tell you what an average christian looks like an average christian reads their bible lesson once a week an average christian prays frequently but usually just for themselves an average christian attends church when it's convenient an average christian rarely speaks about their personal faith outside of a church setting An average Christian is committed to comparative morality. In other words, as long as I'm better than most people, I'll be okay. I'm going to submit something to you that the average Christian is not very Christian. And I don't want that for you. And I don't want that for my family. And I don't want that for me. What Galatians has taught us so far... taught us a few things. It's taught us that there's just one gospel. It's taught us that God always prepares you for what he has prepared for you. It's taught us that before you drew a breath, you were chosen and called. It's taught us that sin is not a sickness to be treated, but an enemy to be defeated. It's taught us That the work of the cross transformed us and transferred us from slavery to sonship. So how do we understand all those truths and walk them out with authenticity? See, I told you last week that today's message would explain how our adoption into God's family would be reflected in our lifestyle. So I need to tell you something. I need to tell you that I love you. There's a significant portion of my family in this room today. Many of you I've known for years and years and years, some just a little while. But regardless of what our relationship looks like, I want you to know that I love you. And what I tell you today, I tell you because of that. You might have had a pastor that was a better preacher. A better leader, more charismatic, but I promise you, you've never had a pastor that loves you more than I do this morning. So what you need to know today that this is not a sermon. This is a 30-minute altar call. I'm not kidding. Because I love you. And what Paul does in chapter 5 is he gets very real about our lifestyle and how the cross of Christ and our adoption into God's family should make a change. Our text today is Galatians chapter 5. Read it with me. 24 and 25. It says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading into every part of our lives. Pray with me. Father, over the next few moments, would you just by the authority and conviction of your Holy Spirit and the power of your word... Just expose our hearts. God, I pray that pride would be destroyed this morning. That religious arrogance would be destroyed today. That our thoughts about our own goodness would be destroyed and nailed to the cross this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Galatians is all about freedom. And oh, by the way, it's all about the only path to freedom. If you have the illusion that you live in freedom apart from the cross of Christ, you are fooling yourself. All across the world this morning in churches just like this one, people gather together and lie. We say amen to sermons about freedom. We sing along to songs about freedom. We fellowship with other believers and testify about freedom while all the while dragging chains of bondage and sin and a lifestyle that is contrary to the life that Christ died to set us free to live. Let's not lie anymore. Let's walk in genuine, authentic freedom. I know what it feels like to put on a mask. I know what it feels like to stand on a stage and declare freedom while bound by my own self and my own selfish desires. I know what it's like to walk in the doors of a church, paint on a smile, drop a couple bucks in the offering plate and think I'm okay. I know what that feels like. And I don't want that for you. But somehow we live in a culture, and somehow we live in a religious culture where we've convinced ourselves that a heart captured by Christ and a life that reflects an unregenerated lifestyle can somehow coexist. And Paul says, no, it cannot. We had this idea. That freedom means that I can go where I want and do what I want with who I want any time I want. And I'm going to tell you that that's exactly what it means. Every one of us, myself included, I'm going to use the word us and we a lot today. Those are our pronouns. Sorry. Sorry. All of us have these two voices. There's a voice of freedom, and there's a voice of bondage. The evidence will show which voice is dominant in your life and in mine. And so today we're going to, we're just going to look at the evidence. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you've been called to live in freedom. Please know that. Christ's great desire for you is for you to walk and live and exist in the freedom that only He gives. And listen to me. Every other voice that would call you to any other kind of freedom is false. And it's... it's. It's an imposter and it's a lie. Christ called you to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. See, that's the other voice. Some, some Bible translations call it your flesh, it's your, your sinful nature. Don was talking about it just a few moments ago. It's that part of you. That calls you outside of the freedom that only Christ offers. He said, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And I, you know, I've read that passage so many times. And I don't know that I ever understood it until this week in reality. Because in one part, it's telling you to, to use your freedom for, uh, not to use your freedom for, for your sinful nature. But to serve each other. I'm like, I don't, I don't get the connection there. There is a strong connection there. Your sinful nature, your sinful nature is all about you. Your sinful nature only knows selfishness and pride. That's all it knows. And it will only draw you to yourself. Your actions will be about you and your motives will be about you and your desires will be about you. That's what your sinful nature draws you to, draws you to you because your world revolves around you. You can write that down. Your flesh, your sinful nature only wants to serve you. My beautiful wife told me I skipped one. And for those of you that are like her and lose your mind if I skip a blank. Freedom is the result of a genuine response to the gospel. Listen to me. That's what we're going to talk about today. What does it look like when we have a genuine response to the gospel? See, we read in Galatians chapter 2 that our old self was crucified with Christ. And I believe that. You believe that, that your old self was crucified with Christ. But here's what you need to know. His influence lives on. Don't, that doesn't make sense. How can something that's dead still have influence? Let me ask you a question. Still Team Six killed Osama Bin Laden, didn't they? Yes. Is his influence still alive and well today? Of course it is. Adolf Hitler's dead and gone, supposedly. But ask a Holocaust survivor's family if his influence is alive and well. I went to the Holocaust Museum. See, just like those evil men are evil man that was put to death, his influence still lives on. And you have a choice today of whose voice in your life is going to be dominant. The voice of the Spirit of Christ that beckons us to Him. Or the voice of your evil man that beckons you to you. Galatians five sixteen and 17 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. <laughs> what if we just could grasp that one thought. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. What if every word you said to another human being was guided by the power and authority of the Holy Spirit? What if every action you displayed was guided by the Holy Spirit? How would your life be different if you paid more attention to the Holy Spirit than you did your old man? So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit, listen, gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Remember when I told you, That you ought to be able to do what you want to, when you want to, with who you want to. But it's the Holy Spirit that's going to dictate your want to's. And when we listen to our old man and his influence, our desires change. Why do I want to do this evil thing? Why do I want to say these evil words? Why do I want to display this evil action? Because that voice is dominant in your life. The Bible says, we just read it, that what the Holy Spirit wants and what the evil man wants are opposite. So what's the opposite? See, the Holy Spirit will lead you, write this down, outside of yourself. The Holy Spirit will lead you to worship. The Holy Spirit will lead you to serve others. Your desires will change. Your want-tos will change. I don't understand, Dwayne. Maybe you sense this inner turmoil between what your old man wants and what the Spirit of God wants for you. You... You feel this somehow spiritual, celestial tug of war in your soul. And you—and who wins just depends on the day. How many of you have ever said something like this? Don't catch me on my bad day. <laughs> what are we really saying? Don't catch me when I'm listening to me. So how do we, who wins the war? Who wins the war? The dominant voice, write this down, in your life is the one you feed. Now now here's what you've never heard me say. I've never been that preacher that's, You know, I remember growing up and everything was wrong. You remember that? Everything was wrong. You know, in fact, if it made you smile, it was probably sin. (laughs) Right, 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 I get that. But I wonder, maybe this is my age. I wonder if that pendulum had just swung way too far the other direction. Because I love you, I'm going to tell you this. What you let in your eyes matters. What you let in your ears matters. What you focus your attention on matters. Who you spend time with matters. The reason you're having trouble with the evil man is because you're feeding him evil day, day after day after day. You're empowering him with what you let in your eyes and what you let in your ears. And your spirit man is wheezing because all he gets is an hour and ten minutes on Sunday morning. And you're checked out half of that time. God help me. You want your spirit man to be dominant in your life, you want the Spirit of God to, to, to take over your wants and your desires, then start feeding him. Open your Bible. Spend, listen, I want you to pray, but, but, but before you pray, spend time in God's presence. Talk about Jesus. Feed that spirit man. W- worship. Listen, I'm... Y'all know me. I'm, I, I'm musically eclectic. You may hear some Hillsong. You may hear some Elevation. You might hear some Leonard Skinner and... Uh, But listen to me. Listen to me. Please hear the heart of your pastor here. If if all you're doing is filling your head with musical pornography, don't wonder why your evil man is winning. Just feel your soul. Some of you are so tired in your soul. Because your spirit man is exhausted, feed your spirit man on worship, on the Word, on fellowship with other believers. Feed him and watch him become dominant in your life. And watch that evil man start to wheeze and whimper. That's how it works, y'all. Listen, I'm not telling you something that I read in a seminary book. I'm I'm, I'm walking you through Pastor Dwayne's life. I know what it feels like for that spirit man to be weak. And thank God, I know what it feels like to have him empowered to do in me what I don't have the power to do on my own. Y'all like this so far? It's not, you're not gone in a minute. See, Paul goes on to say, listen. When, you, when he's the dominant voice, here's what your life looks like. When he's the dominant voice, when the evil one is the dominant voice in your life, here's what your life looks like. And he gives us, at the end of this list, at the end of this description of what our lives look like when the evil man, when our old man, when our selfish nature, when our flesh is the dominant voice in our life, he gives us this long description about what our life looks like and gives us a dire warning at the end of it. Are you ready? You sure? Paul said in Galatians five nineteen and 21 now the works of the flesh are some translations say the work of your sinful nature the evidence of your sinful nature are obvious in other words it's not going to come to surprise to any of you sexual immorality moral impurity promiscuity some translations talk about adultery and fornication and all other sorts of of sexual sin. And so can I just go on record at telling you that what the Bible teaches, I don't care about your opinion, you don't care about mine, but what the Bible teaches is that any sexual activity outside of a covenanted uh, biblical marriage is sin. Oh, by the way, that includes the person on the other side of that website. And includes that Facebook friend that you've reconnected with, that your spouse doesn't know anything about. Well, that's, we hadn't had sex, but you've thought about it. The works of the flesh are obvious. See, he talks about sexual sin in the first part. And oh, by the way, the Bible's full of admonition about sexual purity. Here's where we've landed. Well, God, here's how I'm going to live my life, and you're going to have to be okay with it. God doesn't have to be okay with anything. He's God. Then he talks about, he said, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity. Then he says, idolatry, sorcery, sorcery. Listen, if you've made anything God but God, the Bible calls it sin. If your job is your God, it's idolatry and it's sin. If your bank account's your God, it's idolatry and it's sin. If your children are your God, they're an idol. Then he said hatreds. Listen carefully. If you hate someone because of their skin color, don't you worry about going to heaven with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation because you're not going to be there. (laughs) He said strife, and that just means an argumentative spirit. In other words, you just like to argue with people. That's the work of your old flesh. You just can't get along with folks. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. Oh, now, Dwayne, it's okay to have a glass of wine with dinner. That's not what it said. But, but listen to me. Listen carefully. If you can't have fun without a drink in your hand, there's something wrong. carousing. You know what carousing is? It's a crazy party. And I don't have to tell you what that looks like. Because some of y'all been to a party and some of y'all been to a party. How many know there's a difference? Come on now. I've been to them too. And then he says, or anything similar. So if, if this describes your life, or anything close to it. If anything, if this describes your life, here's your warning. I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, Dwayne, give us give us the out. Okay, get out. See, what, what, what our old man wants to do, instead of getting out, he wants to get in. And what he wants to do is he, when your life goes wrong, he's going to point you to one of those things. Or ten of those things. Depending on which translation of the Bible you read, there's 17 or 18 different things he just listed. And you might be able to look at two or three and go, I don't deal with that. But I bet you find something on that list that you do. That your old man draws you back to. Because when your life goes wrong, why is it? When our marriage starts to collapse, what we'll do is we'll find ourselves in the arms of another person. When our our life doesn't go wrong, instead of trying to improve our life, we'll get jealous of somebody else's. Here's why. Listen, uh, a, a secular poet figured this out. He said, this, his name is Robert Hayden. He said, we must not be frightened or cajoled into accepting evil as deliverance from evil. Because that's exactly what the old man, our sinful nature, our flesh wants to do. Is It wants us to conquer the bad in our life with worse. And listen to me. I can tell you from very personal experience, it will Never satisfy. It might, it might be fun for a minute. It might feel good for a little while. It might be a, 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 a stress relief for a moment. But can I promise you? It'll not satisfy. It's not sustainable. There's only one path to real freedom. And His name is Jesus. And He's begging you to Him. Write this down. See, the dominant voice in your life is evidence of who is really in control. And it bears, please get this, eternal consequences. Now listen, one of the things I don't want to do as a pastor, I never want to, and I I think I've said this before, but it's just what, what every pastor deals with whether you're preaching to 20 or 20,000, what you don't want to do is to have someone who, who's saved, you don't want to preach a sermon that causes them to doubt that. Right? right? At the same time, you don't want to give somebody that's not saved assurance that they are. So I want to see if I can explain what Paul was talking about here. See, there's, there's a word there that, that you've got to grasp. And I used the, the, uh, the, the CSB version because it, it, I, I believe it, 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 it grasped what, what the original intent of this passage was. He said, I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things. Now listen, every one of us are subject to sinful behavior because you are not standing face to face with Jesus yet. You with me? Yeah. But I want you to hear me. When we stack unrepented sin on top of unrepented sin on top of unrepented sin, it no longer becomes a a a, a uh, what's the right word? It no longer becomes a Christian that's that's fallen. It becomes a lifestyle of an unbeliever. See, it's about practice. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. The grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. If you've been legitimately and authentically and genuinely, if you've had a genuine response to the gospel, something in your life will change. If you've had a genuine, authentic response to the gospel, He's still changing you. And if He isn't, it's because He's not the dominant voice in your life. You've grown quite content to listen to your flesh, your, your sinful nature, the old man, and let him dictate, and control your life. There is only one response to that, y'all. Please hear me. It's repentance at an altar. Well, I'll try to clean up. No, you won't. If you could, you would have. I'll try to do better. No, you won't. You don't have the power to do better. Only... The Spirit of God can change evil. Into good. Only the Spirit of God can change death into life. You need an altar of repentance and prayer so that Christ Himself can make His habitation in your heart and change you like He's changed others and like He's still changing. That's what you need. You don't need another self help program, you don't need another soul care book. You need an altar of repentance and prayer, period. Find Jesus today. My home church used to call it backsliding. Y'all remember that term? I don't think that's what Paul is saying, y'all. So if you don't like what I'm getting ready to tell you, beat him up, not me. I think what Paul's saying is, is if that list is evidence of your lifestyle, regardless of what you call yourself, it's evidence that regeneration never took place in the first place. If your old self still has that much influence, then maybe he was never really put to death. If that list is evidence of the life you're living, then you have to wonder. Please ask yourself this question. Have you truly been born again? A sincere follower of Christ cannot and will not continually walk around with unrepentant sin in their life. It, it just, That's just not how it works. And I'm sorry if you think this is legalistic and judgmental. I promise you it is not that. I, I've, I have wept and wept and wept over this sermon like I never have another one. Maybe in my life. Because I don't want you to come to our church and sing the songs and just be an average Christian. We are way too far along in this world for that. And, and oh, by the way, Jesus loves you so much and He doesn't want that for you. That's a miserable, miserable lifestyle. I've lived it. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Why is my life not working? Because you haven't figured out who you are yet. <sighs> Write this down. A genuine response to the gospel will be evidenced by the way We live our lives. See, we're going to read the fruit of the Spirit. And what the fruit of the Spirit really is, is evidence of the Spirit's activity in the life of the believer. So on one hand, he said, here's what it looks like when the dominant voice in our life is our old man, our sinful nature, our flesh. And he says, here's what your life will look like if the Spirit of God is the dominant voice in your life. Here's what your life will look like. And he said, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. So I look at those two lists. Maybe you are too. Maybe you're saying, "Man I I see too much of myself on that first list. I see too much anger and too much jealousy, too much lust, too much pride. Too much unforgiveness. I see too much of my, of my old man in me. And God, help me. Told you this was a 30-minute altar call. I've never wanted to be that guy that just scares the hell out of people. And I, do, I use that term on purpose, by the way. I'm more convinced today than I've ever been that everyone in this room, everyone that's ever breathed a breath, has two, one of two eternal destinations. And I used to want to go to heaven because I didn't want to go to hell. Because a dream scared the hell out of me. I told you all that dream a time or 2 not going to bore you with it today. So I ran to Jesus because I didn't want to go to hell. And you know what I found? I found a whole lot more than just a ticket to heaven. I found abundant life and I found a friend that sticks closer than a brother and I found a family and so what I want you to do this morning Donna's going to come and play I told, I told everybody I wanted you to have a bulletin in, in your hand today and I told you that on purpose and you're wondering what that post-it note is about I'm to tell you. I want you to write something down. And if you think I've lost my mind, I don't care. Will you humor me? Will you don't humor me. Trust me. I want you to in the quietness of this moment to search your heart. And you're going to ask yourself, what's what's the evidence in your life that you've been listening to the wrong voice? Is it immorality? Is it anger? Is it resentment? Is it pride? I want you to write that down. You're like, I don't want nobody to see it, Dwayne. Well, write it in code. I don't care. Write, Write it in a word that you only know. Write it in pig Latin. I don't care. But write it on that post-it note. Maybe it's that thing that's stopping you from walking in absolute freedom. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's unforgiveness. I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. See, I've got my own post-it note. And I've got some things I'm going to write on my post-it note. Well, Dwayne, what are you writing on on yours? I'll tell you what I'm writing on mine. If you tell me what you're writing on yours, how many of you know this is between you and God? I'm writing two words on mine, and I know what they mean. God knows what they mean, but I want you to write them down. Here's what I want you to do. Again, I want you to trust me. Because I'm going to give you a... I'm not going to give you anything. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to give you a visual reminder. Here's what I want you to do. In the quietness of this moment, whatever that thing is that you've written on that piece of paper, and and, and please, y'all, don't let your... Don't let your pride rob you of an eternal moment. In the quietness of this moment, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray a prayer just like this. God, you know what this thing is. Maybe you've been struggling with it for a long time. Maybe it has to do with something that happened in your past that you've never gotten over. Maybe it has something to do with with, with one of those sticky sins that just keep coming back, that keep coming back. But, But you've written it down on that sheet of paper. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray a prayer. Lord, you know what this is, and I need your help. Forgive me of listening to the wrong voice. Wash me and cleanse me and help me. Listen to the voice of freedom the spirit of God from this day forward and when my old man tries to influence God help me starve him to death feed my soul on your worship and word and when you've laid those things at the the feet of Jesus here's what I want you to do I want you to put in action what our text said our text said this. Those who have be- who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. I want you to take that thing and just symbolically, I want you to step out of your seat and I want you to walk over here and I want you to take that post-it note and I want you to... Put it right there. Then find you a place where you can stand to your feet and worship Jesus. Do it now.